Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world and we find out what really makes them tick. My name's Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Thanks, Michael. Our next guest is a foremost expert in body language, voice, and emotion, and has a PhD in business and degrees and masters in organizational psychology as well as music. Her Mahler method is the culmination of years of training and practice in neuro-linguistic programming mm. as she works with groups and individuals to get them to reconnect with the mind-body-voice connection she calls voice intelligence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Vocal Intelligence Dynamo, Dr. Louise Marla. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Doctor. Welcome, Michael. Welcome, Carson. My Thanks, first Louise. question, do you mm. bulk bill? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd start with a little joke. Now, a lot of our guests, Louise, open with a song, and you're the only one we've spoken to, actually, who could do that. Take us back to your early days of being an opera singer. Well, I, I actually, I did an economics degree in mathematics when I finished school and, uh, you know, then made the obvious leap from there straight into opera. Um, you know, what, what was that about? That was because I didn't have a father, you know, to say, what are you thinking? Right. Anyway. I'd, and your mother was happy with that. Yeah, mum yep. thought it was a great idea. And so, you know, you, you go into opera, you do singing. Um, and, 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 and how old were you when you started the opera career? Uh, well, you see, I, uh, I finished my economics degree before I was 19, right. so very right. early. There you go. Yeah. A prodigy. Yeah, and I was, I was but, learning singing all through the economics degree, yeah. and I looked around my um, final years of econometrics, and I thought, you know what, I'm the most fascinating, interesting, beautiful and talented person in this room. And <laughs> let me tell you, the competition was not stiff. Um, and and where did you study? I studied at Queensland Uni. Oh, okay. oh that explains yeah. it. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, and so when my, um, when my singing teacher said, you know, you should do this professionally, I thought, you beauty. Hmm. And that was great. And I did my degree in music, postgraduate in music, letters in music, and um, we were off and running off to Europe. So, so you played the world stage in opera? I did. I went to I went to Europe and studied a lot and and ended up at the um, at the Vienna State Opera. I was taken on by a woman called uh, Elizabeth Schwarzkopf, who you know to many people in Australia they've never heard of her, but really she's one of the most famous sopranos ever um, of the century. Uh, people know Callas. Well, you mm. know she's with Callas mm. really, and um, I lived with her in Switzerland. And um, yeah. So what brought that period of your life to an end? Oh, have you ever? Oh, I think I touched a nerve there. <laughs> wow. I've only got 20 minutes, Michael. Oh, how long have you got? Um, look, you know, it, I wanted to rule the world. And if you're not ruling the world, it's not much fun. I mean, this is a career you would not, you know, don't try this at home. Mm. I, it was kill or be killed. Absolutely yep. okay. kill or be killed. And one day you just wake up, you know, after a couple of years and just go, I don't want to do this anymore. So uh, what was it then that sparked your interest in NLP? And explain what that is for those who don't know. Oh, neurolinguistic programming mm. is, you know, basically that we all are – we're walking computer programs. You know, we have the way we speak, the way we gesture, the way we think. Um, everything we do has a pattern. Whether we recognise it or not, it does. And is that the best pattern possible or, you know, could it be changed? It's fascinating. So is, is it the NLP background that got you thinking about vocal intelligence? Uh, it, was the, it was the voice background and then moving into uh, business and 
And when I came into business, you know, I wanted to rule the world in business. And I came into business and went into meetings and just saw people making complete idiots of themselves. So, so when you say come, come into business, what, mm. what do you mean by that? Like you just... You just popped up in a, in a corporate somewhere or? Oh, I came back to Australia yep. after Europe and, you know, through contacts, got a job in BHP. And the estate manager came down, true story, and said after a couple of weeks and said, do you know anything about quality? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, oh, it doesn't matter. Do you want to be quality manager? I mean, <laughs> okay. those were the days. Because you'll be better those than the last one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Those were the days. And um, I got, you know, I got them through their accreditation. I am a quality auditor. Fantastic. You know, all of these things. But they sent me off and we started to do communication skills, mm, um, right. you know, assertiveness, customer service. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. I did every course I could possibly do and got chosen by BHP to run a national program on communication. So, right. you know, the, the the journey took off. I'm actor trained and so what I'm hearing what you're saying in NLP-ness is that you bring awareness to people that they are communicating without realising it and so it's to their advantage to realise how they're communicating. Is it something like that? Yeah, he's got no idea what they're doing. So, you know, the, <laughs> to sum it up, sorry, was that me who's got no idea? But is that is that what we're on about? It is absolutely. You yeah. know, cool. that my classic question. I get people come to me and they're in a leadership position and a desperate state for help, and so I'll say to them, "What skills are you using at the moment? What techniques?" And they look at me blankly. Go, uh, I don't know. Then I go, okay, well, what sort of structures, what processes are you using? What, you know, linking conversation? And they go, uh, uh, uh. And they go well, no wonder you're having problems. <laughs> Let's start with teaching you English. Yeah. <laughs> Step number one oh, is yeah. draw to their awareness what they are doing now because yep. they definitely do have patterns. They do have structures in the way that they communicate. They're not aware of and them. And they're not like, aware of yeah. them. So give us a, a very common example that people that you find in your, in your work that people do suffer from. Let's you know, to use a medical term, that mm. you can then heal them with? Oh, uh, look, uh, thousands of them. I mean, one of them would be uh, having the mouth shut, you know, never opening the mouth. Right. And then saying, um, people don't listen to me. Well, I think, well, I don't want to listen to you, you know. <laughs> so how do you work on someone like that? Well, bringing awareness to the fact that the they mouth are speaking is shut. Like that. Yeah. Right, shine, you know, shine a light on it's it. It's shut. Um, eye contact. People are shocking at eye contact. Heads that throw. Heads that throw. And that gives you a very tight sound, you know, when you throw your head at people. Um, now, that um, reminds me of yes, someone. Yes, there's a woman uh, in Queensland. Uh, red hair. Yeah. Yeah. Queensland politician. And gestures. Gestures are the way we stand, our gestures, the way we produce voice, our eye contact, our um, everything. And so what I imagine, it's more than just observing something. Someone. I imagine through your learnings and your experience, you're getting to the motivation as to what's going on inside them, which is then manifested physically. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, vocal intelligence is about recognising. I mean, over the years, what I've had to do is, uh, from my background, I've had a lot of ideas and, and you have to put them into models. So the model is that it's really the mind-body-voice connection. Yes, the mind is at the core of it all. Yes, it reflects into the body. The body is shaped by the mind. And then the voice is the outcome. You can hear what's going on in the mind um, through the voice. So the difference between, you know, body language I've had to study and then and vocal intelligence is different in that body language is the perception of others. How do others see you? And I always say we need to understand body language and how others perceive us. But another motivation, the other motivation is, is vocal intelligence is 
what does this actually mean for me physically and psychologically? Mm. So, for instance, if I were shutting my mouth, you know, you may think I am closed, but that's the body language. But in in um, vocal intelligence, what is this doing for you if you're holding the air in your body, never opening up your uh, mouth to other people? Why are you blocking yourself in this way? Right. So there's two motivations. So, so what I'm hearing, the, the body language and the vocal intelligence part go hand in hand. They manifest they do. in each other. Yeah. yeah. Many Australians don't want to be inspired by body language. And the example I use is that the voice of leadership is perceived to be low in pitch, um, loud and slow. Mm. Well, if Measured. I, yeah, if I tell people to do low, slow and loud, they just say, don't be ridiculous. Mm. You know, I'm not doing that. So they leave it that we refuse to be motivated by body language. So then we go, oh, Carson, you know, oh, mate, key for me is I bring who I am to the engagement. <laughs> you know, I bring me. I bring the real me. And I'm like, well, actually, that's not the real you. That's a set of habitual patterns that you've been doing over time that are blocking your potential. Right. Okay, so if you were going up in a lift and you met the CEO of someone that you wouldn't mind working with, how would you pitch yourself? Yes, um, the day I work out my elevator pitch, well, <laughs> it's um, a single biggest problem down. for speakers to it's work out. Do, do you want to try? Give it a go. Oh, uh, you know, I bring a diversity of backgrounds to face-to-face communication for people in leadership positions, so that they can have presence and influence others. And we made it. We're getting out and you're on our conference in the Gold Coast in November. Um, but what, what is it that, that you hope your audience takes from meeting Dr. Louise Marler? An awareness that everything is manageable. You know, we think, I, I say often to people, voice is a choice. And if voice is a choice, why would you choose that one? You know, people doing ridiculous voices. Why, why are you choosing that? Uh, are we confined with the way we were born and then the way we've talked for 20 years? No, of course not. It's a, certainly you're combined with the, the instrument you're given, which is brilliant. You know, there's not a soul who doesn't have, for instance, a, a range of four, you know, octaves. Mm-hmm. Um, but As a minimum. So we've, yeah. all, we've all got at least four octaves yeah. in the voice. And, and right. we speak yes. on two. We speak on <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. two. We speak on two. You know, we speak on two, Cass, and we stick there with that too. Um, it's not a matter of learning. It's a matter of unlearning. Is fear keep us in the narrow where you want us to broaden out? Is oh, it fear that stops us? It's all fear. It's all defence. That's what it's all about. And that's why you have to make it funny. Because the work's really very confrontational. It's outside the comfort Mm. zone. Um, Simple things like getting someone to not clench their fists. You know, I've worked with someone this morning and I'm asking him not to clench his fist. And his hand is shaking. Wow. You know, this is a senior executive. Why why was his hand shaking? What was he doing? Uh, Handshake because the body, you know, the unconscious mind is saying, jam that hand, jam that hand. But because he was doing something uncomfortable, you were making him do something uncomfortable. I was making him literally hold his hand up with his palm open ah, like right. Trump does. Yeah. And it's harder psychologically. Of course it's not hard physically, but it's hard mm. psychologically. So while he was presenting, whatever he was presenting, you made him put his hand out I did. for the world to see. Yeah. Right. Having uh, listened to you speak on numerous occasions, I've experienced, mm. it's probably more a, a experience rather than listening because you, you yeah. interact with the audience incredibly well. So you get everyone up out of their chairs, you get them doing things. Talk yeah. to us about that. Uh, you know, people love interaction and and 
And I feel so sorry for, you know, what's cruelty to dumb animals. So often people are spoken to and they have to sit there in silence. What is that about? Mm. We train audiences to disconnect. So, you know, connection is key right from the start. Humour is key. And, you know, doing things and having takeaways. That's what people say. They love the interaction and they love the fact that they walk out of there with five or six solid things that they can do the minute they get out the door. So on that note, what are a couple of those takeaways? Oh, initiating sound and greeting people. You know, how you actually get sound out of your body and open your body to others and say, hi, how you shake hands, where you put your eyes, where you actually then take your hands. You know, the most common question, where do I put my hands? Well, I tell you, where do you put your hands? Where do you put your hands when you're listening? Where do you put your hands when you're talking to people? There are places. And these skills are older than Methuselah. They go back to the Romans. When when you're saying about where you put your hands... Mm. Does someone, when they're looking at someone in in the business world, in an office situation, are they subconsciously reading that person and and getting almost subliminal messages – so therefore, you better be aware of what you're doing. Oh, totally. Even though well, that, that viewer has not had the training. Again, we've got the two perspectives. Yes, unconsciously, people read body language. When you ask people for their perceptions about body language, it's almost 100% people come back with the same perception. For instance, right. nodding the head backwards. It's seen as arrogance. End of story. Is it arrogance? No, maybe a neck injury, maybe something you're imitating from (laughs) Mm, someone else. But the question is there uh, from a vocal intelligence perspective, if you're nodding your head back, why are you doing that? What is the defence mechanism and is that helping you? It's not. It's actually strangling you in the end. So stop doing it. Stop doing it for others. Stop doing it for yourself. Louise, another one of your keynotes is about the currency of trust. Mm, That's the topic, especially, you know, in banking, financial services, but everywhere. Politics. Well, yes, it's. It's, it's so important. And how do we do it? You know, be more trustworthy. What does that mean? That's cruelty to dumb animals. And so <laughs> you actually – there are things that you can do and we need to go back to ancient concepts of actual air that flows and touches people, the way we reach out, our eye contact. So there are skills that you do but also in our structures, the way we understand um, reflection, uh, the way we give feedback, the way we praise um, – You know, there are many different things that you can do to build trust. It's interesting. So uh, trust is, from my perspective, trust is something that you you earn over a long period of time with individuals. How Mm. how do you teach that to a group? And then how does that actually group take it back into what they do really quickly? Yeah, it's immediate. It's immediate. You can do it very, very quickly. And uh, we only have to look at Trump. Trump has a it's, – it's like running a – there are cult techniques and they are the techniques of the cult. Um, he has a 35% voting base that will never change their vote because they are completely entranced by the captivating skills that he has. And what skill can you teach me now that makes me like Trump? Well, to keep <laughs> your arms off your body and never cross your body. Always have your body revealed at right. all times. Is that claiming more of the space? Well, it is. it does claim more of the space but it doesn't have to go wide. It can be the arms can be out in front. Okay. They just can't be across the body. The other thing is to show your palms. Palms are very important for trust. You know, showing that you have no pennies between your fingers, always showing your palms. Um, the eyes never flicking off into, uh, you know, your thinking areas, but maintaining mm. a contact. And people say that's staring. Well, you just need to go a bit deeper. You need to have face movement with blinking. And there are eye escapes. You can move the eye, but there are a couple of eye escapes. Um, and you just need to know what they are. You know, you just don't look away when you want to. There are techniques. 
You mentioned women in leadership, and one of your keynotes is about empowering women. Mm. How do you do that? Well, uh, and, you, and how is that different from empowering a, a mixed sex group? Yeah, the rules are the same for men and women. The issue is that women, who knows why, are behind the eight ball. Take the example of shaking hands. It is a sword thrust. The handshake is a sword thrust. Men. What see, do you mean by a sword thrust? Does well, that go back to medieval from. times? It does. Yeah. Right. So a handshake was actually a sword thrust without a sword, and so it is right foot, right hand for a sword thrust. If you're playing tennis, it's left foot right hand but with the sword thrust it's right foot you but test. isn't sword thrust seen as an aggressive m- maneuver ah, yet we've no been sword. doing handshakes for hundreds of years yeah we do it without a sword and mm. it shows i have no sword look my oh, hand is I free mm. that's that's the origin of the right. hand the friendly yeah so men tend to do that right foot right hand women tend to do left foot right hand and what that means is they then fall over or stumble in some way and the perception there is you know look at me i'm leader of the pack oh no i can't stand up you know have difficulty standing. What does the message does that sound, uh, mm. send? Mm. And women, of our voices are higher as well, and so people don't perceive that as leadership. So with women in leadership, it's the skills, but it's also the processes for handling emotion. Giving feedback is really critical. We often ask our guests on our next guest is the importance and relevance of the live speaker to audience relationship. You, I think, of all our guests are so you know of value live because it's all about the hearing and the seeing in the room. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good comment. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly Michael. it is. No, yeah. I, yes. I, no, I was just wondering if you've, well, if you've got a thought on that yourself. Well, what do you – I mean, you know, often I get used to start off a conference so that people start to breathe, start to engage, start to speak, mm. and that will, you know, lift the flavour for the conference and people are running around greeting each other, um, looking at each other in the eyes. I mean, this has to be good news. And uh, all used to close a conference. How are you going to leave the conference and we leave on a high? Yeah, but that's a great placement of you as a guest at the start – because you really might have an impact on the yeah. next two or three days. Absolutely. Let alone beyond. Impact. Mm. Not only do you excel in the live experience, as I said, but you've also very prominent online as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't be everywhere. And the skills that I've got, I've built up over, you know, a lifetime. Yeah. And it's very difficult for people to take that on. And I want to share it. And so the digital program is about people being able to get involved, having a, a, a group page where they can ask me questions, get response, oh, cool. have live, um, you know, live chat, and also get the videos with the skills on a regular basis, constantly reminding them of what to do. So what do you call the digital platform? Uh, the Marla Method. The Marla Method. Oh, mm. yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yep. And and my book Resonate. So Resonate talks about the skills. The digital program will bring in the processes of handling difficulty and also talking about the psychology of fear. Fear in ourselves and fear in audiences and how you handle it. Louise, I remember introducing you to a conference recently and so I know from first experience that you do leave an energy behind you. People do talk about Dr Louise Marler once Mm. they've seen you in flight. What I'm loving and hearing about you now is the almost unconscious but very deliberate execution of the way you speak and communicate. And if we could be 20% of that, we'd be (laughs) a lot better than we are. Thanks for your time with us today. Thanks, Michael. Well, if you'd like to learn all about personal body language and voice dynamics, then please visit louisemarla.com.au on the World Wide Web. That was our next guest is with Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC Michael Pope. To hear more of our guests, you can find us on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break.